And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. Mitchell Langbert. He's Associate Professor, School of Business, Brooklyn College. And Mitchell, it's an honor to have you with us today. Well, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. We sometimes exchange emails back and forth because we're in the same neighborhood, basically. It's the town of Olive in upstate New York, uh, near the Ashokan Reservoir. And that's where we live and move and have our being, as it were. And um, now and then we'll exchange an email. And I know that you have some very helpful views on economics, business. And now you are in the School of Business there at the college, Brooklyn College. What courses or whatever do you teach there? I teach courses on human resource management and managerial skills. And I cover things like how to improve your success quotient at work and how to manage human resources so that employees are committed to the firm and are productive, things of that nature. Mm. Do your students ever pass the courses? (laughs) (laughs) They try. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Sure they do. So you've got this, um, I don't know, you've got a feel for business, for um, economics. The reason I wanted to have you here was that... um, we live near Kingston, New York. That, that's the nearest larger city that we live near. And I think we've both seen where um, things in Kingston have kind of deteriorated economically. Yes, they have. And, and I was part of, um, years ago, I worked for IBM, and they, um, they went out of town, I think it was 1993. And there was like a slow decline after that because – well, maybe you can explain. What's the advantage of having a big business in town? There are many advantages. One of the chief goals of economic development is to try to attract good jobs. And a firm like IBM has good jobs. And when you've got a large group in the community who are earning good money, they're going to create secondary jobs and smaller businesses. And I think that's a healthy dynamic. But unfortunately, the states and the federal government have been maladroit, to use a big word, college word, (laughs) (laughs) at attracting business. The government has overstepped its proper role, often in ways that are well-intentioned, but the net result is that there are fewer jobs, despite what many government programs claim to be a goal of economic development. Mm. And one of the problems in Kingston has been the public-private partnerships that supposedly encourage economic development, but in the longer run fail Mm. because they, they stimulate construction jobs in the short term, which is good, but they survive by attracting low-income residents into the city of Kingston and into Ulster County, so that our welfare role now is enormous. And I don't just mean needy people who deserve support who come from the community, but people from outside the community come here for the public-private partnership Mm -hmm. housing. And 
that enriches the developer in the short run who's paid to construct these projects. But then the tax rolls expand and the Elster County taxpayer is put on the hook for uh, subsidizing the residents yeah. who can't afford the public services. So many things we could – so many rabbit trails we can go down. Um, I'm not sure if this is the case. Maybe you know. Back in 93 when IBM left town, um, I think their taxation rate was very, very high. And um, uh, that that certainly didn't help. Uh, I'm thinking if, if they were treated more kindly, maybe they'd still be here. Yes, yes, Dan. And, and, and moreover – one of the things that could have happened that did not was that a firm like IBM tends to spawn smaller support firms, consultants, right. other kinds of tech firms. This is what happened with Stanford and uh, the Silicon Valley. And instead of that happening, there's there was very little development on the smaller scale mm-hmm. all through the 70s and 80s. And part of that was the high-tax, high-regulation regime of New York State mm-hmm. that denied the growth. Uh, through the years, the city of Kingston dropped the ball many times. Uh, there was once a, a car company, I think it was BMW North America, that wanted to locate, and mm-hmm. Kingston stopped it. And... Uh, the, the, this sort of long-term lack of concern for economic development yeah. has come home to roost. There's now fewer jobs and population loss here in Ulster County. Yeah, that's true. Um, 25 years ago, I guess we had more people than we do now. Sad. Um, also, as I drive past that, I hate to focus too much on IBM, but as I drive past that old complex, I don't know if you've been through passed it in the in the past couple of weeks they are destroying buildings and and the the latest building that they had built now now it's some time ago it was new in i don't know 92 or whatever they just destroyed it and and they never really used that building somebody said maybe they used it for two years so there was a perfectly good brand new building of course they go to rot after a while when they're not occupied and cared for and that sort of thing but um, there's no reason in the world why they couldn't have made it attractive for another big business to come in and just basically wooed those businesses in. There's a lot of advantages to that site. Uh, there's a rail line that runs along the backside. Uh, it's not far from the throughway, easy to get to, um, and it's in a beautiful area. I remember years ago when I was a new hire there, I was sitting in the a cafeteria in old building 203 looking out, and it was a panoramic view of part of the Catskill Mountain. It was it was inspiring to to even work there, you know, assuming you had some good people to work with. So, um, but this could happen. Uh, this positive view could be repeated over and over again if we just get big government out of our lives and let people produce. You know, one of the things I hear constantly from these politicians, they talk about we're going to create jobs. What's your opinion of that? They can't create jobs. J- jobs are created by new technology, and government cannot innovate. Mm. So the long-term effect of government job creation is job loss. My students often are surprised when I say technology creates jobs because 
we usually think of technology as labor saving or destroying. But if we think back to the days of the American Revolution, there was very little technology. Right. And there was a population of three million. Today, with thousands of advances in technology, we support a population of 330 million. Mm-hmm. So clearly there are far more jobs than there were back in the days when everyone yeah. farmed. So the reason is that technology saves money. So although it cuts out workers in the short run from a given process, it saves the consumer an enormous amount of money that they then spend on other items and the demand in those areas expands. Yeah. So what we've seen is an expansion of the service sector, for example, in ways that would have been unimaginable uh, even 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so jobs jobs move to where the demand moves and technology enables the demand to move. And government yeah. cannot help in that area. No. If they want to help create jobs, quote-unquote, they basically need to get out of the way and reduce the taxation and stop redistributing the wealth. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and often what there, there's been a fundamental confusion in the public mind between ethics and collectivism. That government does something on behalf of the general public does not mean that it helps. Uh, the go- things that are done on behalf of the general public can make everyone poorer. They can make the 1% richer. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thought that regulation spreads the wealth is not true historically. Mm-hmm. This is a, a common uh, incantation of the left. But if you go back 50 years, there was less income inequality and less regulation. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I drive around. I don't get to drive around too often, but when I am driving around or even here in the studio, I think, what if I had to create a company? What if I had to create a job? What would I do? Now, you know, the lot is kind of cast for me right now. I'm older now and I'm in broadcasting and that's that's my calling. But what if we had to create um, jobs, you know, and I think, well, I'm not sure I'd want to create it here in the Hudson Valley even. Um, Maybe there's other places that are a little bit more friendly to creating jobs. And then you turn on the news and you see uh, New York State spending tax money on advertisements talking about come to New York, and they have some kind of a short-term thing that will uh, attract businesses here. I'm thinking, well, if they can do it short-term, why can't they do it long-term and make it friendly for businesses for the whole you know, 50, 100 years, whatever, they're in business. It's a mistaken concept of economic development that goes back hundreds of years to the days before free markets existed when Europe was dominated by mercantilism, the idea that government needs to run the economy as part of its running the state and the polity, the the idea that the economy was part of public policy. And what the British did was have a highly regulated economy, as did the Spanish and the uh, French and uh, uh, other European countries. And it was a revolution to realize that individual initiative 
can generate a much faster pace of economic growth than mm-hmm. the elite decisions right. of owners of large state-subsidized enterprise. But unfortunately, we've gone back to that model mm-hmm. increasingly in the name of spreading the wealth and helping uh, redistribute the wealth and uh, supporting jobs that what what we've done is move money away from those who could best use it, which is the individual entrepreneur, yeah. to things like public-private partnership housing that isn't really in demand. It's only in demand because there's going to be more government money spent on it that will continue to further starve the individual and the mm. private sector. I keep thinking about something. It's coming to my mind as we talk about this. I'm just thinking about this um, person that may be a, a street person. You know, how do you help them? Um, you know, they need food, clothing, shelter. I, I remember so often it would come to me working in a church environment. Somebody comes to the church looking for some help. Well, that's a great place to go, and they should do that. Um, but one of the hardest things is to actually help a person by simply giving them money. Um, it, it actually takes time to help people. There may be some training involved. There may be um, some tutoring in skills, uh, teaching responsibility. Um, simple handouts often don't help people. Not at all. They, <laughs> they encourage dependency. and yeah. uh, uh, Rather than work, it's easier to collect a welfare check. And, it is. Um, we, we see this all the time. Uh, I know people who are in that position, and uh, there's no shortage of them in Ulster County. And, I know. Uh, it's, sad, you know. it's tragic for the recipients because they become dependent, and they don't achieve as much in life as they could, and they don't find a calling, and they can't serve others as well. Mm, and mm. Uh, I think there, there are real losses there. Now, don't you feel better when you can actually work and, and earn a living? I mean, that, that, that's the way God made us. It just makes us feel better to do it that way. I think so. It's a fundamental yeah. human need. <laughs> and incidentally, the minimum wage uh, contributes to this problem because people who lack the qualifications to earn 15 an hour will be shut out from working at all and they'll never develop the work skills. It's The minimum wage is truly a cruel policy and the advocates don't look at those who become dependent on welfare as a result of the minimum wage who never mm. develop the work skills. They only look at the short-term gains. But even those who gain in the short term from the minimum wage, and there will be some, but th- they will not be exposed to the kind of training experiences and uh, upward mobility yeah. that once was possible in a free economy. Yeah. I, I remember reading part of Dr. Sowell's book, Basic Economics, and in there he talks about the minimum wage, and he gives specific examples how that the minimum wage has actually hurt economies. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. contributed to income inequality. <laughs> yeah. It's ironic. Yeah, yeah, it is. So going back, uh, today we're talking with Dr. Mitchell Langbert. He's Associate Professor, School of Business, Brooklyn College. Um, by the way, how do you get down there? We, we live way up here in, in Ulster County, and that's, that's way down in Brooklyn. How do you get there? You drive? I, I usually take the Trailways bus. Oh, yes. That way I can fall asleep and not worry. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to do it. 
And if you're like me, you always get lost. If if I didn't have my GPS, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> so anyway, we're talking today about uh, the economy and um, the concerns that we have, um, the 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 test case, if you will, um, the, the mental experiment is that of Kingston, New York, and how it's lost people. Um, the economy is not as good as it once was. Um, if you were to encourage leaders, and if they were to actually listen to your wisdom, Dr. Langbert, uh, just simple incremental changes that they could make that would enhance economic freedom and prosperity in our area. One of the one of the keys to regional and local economic development is having a a viable main street and Broadway and Kingston has decayed on the other hand there are huge avenues for potential growth in our area in Ulster County and in the Catskills and that includes the long term presence of an arts community and a music community and that could be capitalized on in a number of ways each region has its own strength and weakness and I think one of ours is that we happen to have a large number of people in the arts in the area mm, Good point. so what we could think about is how to hand over some of the abandoned or non-performing spaces on Broadway to arts-related fields. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it is also uh, we could put together a group to do some market research and see what's needed on a business level in the region, what kinds of businesses. We could talk to what's been successful in the area and ask them questions and maybe find out how they could be supplied. And um, we could also think about ways to expand the arts community so Mm. that um, viable, say, art galleries or even museums are conceptualized. Where where I grew up in uh, Queens, I originally came from Queens, there was a woman who got the idea of turning a public school, PS1, into a studio center for artists and partially a museum. And it's now it's merged with the Museum of Modern Art. But it was, mm. in a, it was an abandoned school building, really, that she uh, uh, t- took control of in a rundown section of Long Island City. It's and, wonderful. Yeah, and turned it into a viable economic asset that's now internationally known. And on the other side of where I lived, about 15 blocks from there, uh, someone got the idea, it was a piece of land along the, the East River, and someone got the idea of turning it into a sculpture park. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark DeSuvero and others turned it into the uh, Socrates Sculpture Park right along the East River, which is also... Isamu Noguchi had lived right nearby the Japanese uh, artist, and uh, he's got a museum there. So there's like, like this little yeah. constellation of museums. But we've got so much space here. We do. Uh, along oh, Route yes. 28. Why not have a, uh, a, a, a sculpture park along the highway mm-hmm. or a series of sculpture parks along 28 that could be s- supported through private foundation grants or yes. 
uh, support for yeah. the arts. And right. uh, um, th- I think there are a lot of creative ideas that could come up. Uh, yeah. It never occurred to me, really, and I, I appreciate that. You know, I'm always focused on... Uh, let's let's create a business that 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 builds widgets of some sort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I, you know, I was brought up in that era myself, and uh, uh, we all. I, I certainly worked in in, in that in you know in mining, and uh, mm-hmm. I worked for in the healthcare field for a long time in uh, uh, pharmaceuticals. But um, basically, those types of businesses have left. The U.S. for the reasons we've been talking about that, yeah. uh, you know, taxes and yeah. lack of support and um, regulation and uh, haven't been conducive to them. Here's a question. We got maybe uh, four minutes left to our discussion today. We're talking about economics and using a kind of an example close to home, Kingston, New York. Um, reading. Um, I make it a practice. It's a little bit ad hoc, but I read certain journals, you know, online I, for free. And um, is there any particular uh, websites that are educational and are are free market, um, pro free, free, free market oriented websites? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm a fan of libertarianism, so I, you know, the uh, the uh, Lou Rockwell and oh, yeah. related sites. The Von Mises. Uh, by Mises Institute. That, that's a very good website. I, I think they mail me something every morning. And, um, you know, you can read it or not. doesn't matter. But quite often it'll, it'll uh, you know, pique your interest and maybe there'll be an article there. And it'll talk about, um, you know, Austrian economics, which is a very, uh, very good economic model as far as I can see. Uh, we, we've had in the past uh, Dr. Sean Rittenar, from Grove City College on this yes, program. Yes. In fact, it was recently on, um, and um, he's talked about that sort of thing. Um, I, I also subscribe to, and this is kind of random today, but I, sometimes I will read an article <laughs> um, by The Federalist, okay, or, or the Heritage Foundation. You know, some of these uh, kind of help you think about things a little bit. I think it's healthy for those you. Are, those are excellent sites. I just read a wonderful article by Angelo Cotavilla from, uh, he's a retired professor from Boston University, and it appeared on the American Spectator oh, yes. site. Yes. And he was talking about the country party versus the uh, elite mm. of the Republican Party. And right. The current election, which I won't touch, but I know it's it's tempting to jump right in, but um, it, it, it's fascinating this year, though I must say it's just fascinating. It's fascinating, but uh, to me, disappointing, I, <laughs> depressing. I, yeah, no, I would like to see more talk about free freedom, free markets. Oh, amen to that. More improving public morality. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. we're. Stuck yeah. in, I think, a loss of civility. And you know, uh, I was I was hoping for at least one of these debates. I will jump in a little bit and take the bait. I was hoping for more civility. I was hoping that you know we could actually be adults and talk about the issues and you know real good solutions and and that sort of thing and instead of name calling and constantly back and forth. But I'll avoid it. I'll, <laughs> I'll avoid it. Uh, we've got maybe a minute or two left. We've been talking with Dr. Mitchell Langbert. Um, any um, any more suggestions for our own area here in Ulster County? Of course, this is being heard today in northern New Jersey and southern Maryland as well. 
another besides improving the main street of of a region or a city and trying to improve the stores and making it more attractive another set of ideas revolves around micro businesses people who mm. work at home who are potential suppliers to local businesses mm-hmm. and i think some of the things if someone wants to get involved in helping their community improve economically is developing a systematic market research program among local businesses and try to help even smaller businesses figure out how to supply the local businesses mm-hmm. and develop micro businesses at home that's neat yeah and and now with technology we started off talking about that um you can you can do a lot from home i mean uh, uh redeemer is built on a model of a distributed um production studio if you will and so you can do a lot from your home and it works hey we're out of time already for our program today uh dr mitchell langbert thank you so much for joining us uh we really appreciate it thank you dan it's a pleasure dear listener this uh, broadcast is up on our website check it out we're found at redeemerbroadcasting.org please join us next week for another edition of a plain answer 